but you all don't have to speak at once. I'll venture out. <laughs> um, I think kind of yes. Um, when it comes to the comparison with them and elders and, and their duties and, and the responsibilities. Okay. Anybody else have a yes? Yes, I think okay. it gives a good example of it. Uh, the word deacon means servant. Um, doesn't say anything about deacons doing anything spiritually guarding the, the flock or anything. It's more of a physical nature, uh, a daily duties kind of thing. Like an office manager or something. Okay. Any Anybody else? I, uh, I, I see three requirements in verse three. And those three are, should be said of any Christian. So I, I don't think it limits who should be a, a deacon. It, anybody is qualified should be. Okay. Anybody see no? All right. If no one sees the no, then anybody else have any other things that might be a pattern that we should follow? I think it tells us that we should not let the elders get too caught up in the day-to-day -day duties of the church because it takes away from what they're doing. The early the apostles uh, knew it right away, and it said, you know, we should not be neglecting the word of God in order to serve tables. I think the elders need to strictly focus on the spiritual matter right. of the church. Okay. Anybody else? I agree. And I think a lot of times it's a pitfall. Elders um, or elders get appointed because they're really, really good deacons. Um, and elders need to be focused on the spiritual well-being and the shepherding of the flock and not tied up with the, the books or, you know, shaking hands at the door or whatever. Not that they can't do those things, but that shouldn't be their focus. Um, I think this. Okay. And this, we're going to, we're going to get into that a little bit of, of elders and deacons working together and how that works. So I think that's a good point and we'll probably discuss it a little bit more later. So um, if it's okay, we can get back to that. So let me um, just mention two things I think are important that we haven't mentioned. Um, it says, uh, then the 12 called the multitude of disciples unto them, says it's not reason we should leave word of God to serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom you may appoint, whom we may appoint over this business, but we'll give ourselves continue. And the same pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen, a man of faith, the Holy, Holy Spirit, Philip, Porcius, and so forth. So what we notice here is who did the choosing? The congregation. Yeah. See, one, of, one, one of the issues that I, is sometimes characterized in the modern elderhood is, is control. And one of the ways they exert control is they choose deacons or they choose who they think should be deacons. And um, 
one of the abuses to that is that sometimes elders think deacon being a deacon is a training ground to be an elder so they'll take a young man who they believe has spiritual potential and appoint them as a deacon even though he doesn't seem to have the necessary skills or the necessary desire to serve in that manner uh and then uh it tells it and then the and then just to review the tasks that they were responsible for acts 434 and 35 x5 is sort of a, a subset but going back to 434 and 35 and it says and it says this in x4 neither were there any among them that lacked for as many as were professors of land or houses sold them and brought the price of things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles feet and the distribution was made upon every man according as he is needed so there was collection of money and goods to divide to the needy there was they were to distribute money or goods to the needy to ensure the church justly and fairly distributed the money and to coordinate sorry to coordinate the church's overall charitable services to the needy and it became overwhelming and some people thought they were being left out and that's why they um they chose these six men to administer this part of the ministry <clears throat> and as as um, Matt mentioned, so that the elder that the, the apostles at that time could be involved in in teaching and in the word. All right. The next question, if you have the questions, is what underlying meaning of the word translated deacon three times in the New Testament, or it's, it's several times. Sometimes it's deacons, sometimes it's deacon. I think it's six times translated in the King James as as either one of those two words. And there's basically two words, deaconos and deaconno, which is plural, and one's plural, one's not. But does anybody have comments on that and and um, why you think in some passages it's translated deacon as opposed to another word? And I just stumped everybody. I think the underlying meaning is servant. Okay, so it's an interesting word because most of the time in the New Testament it's translated servant. But in several passages it's translated deacon. Do you have you know why it's translated deacon in some passages? I'd have to which what passages, I mean uh to speak into the particular work that he's doing in in philippians 1 1 is translated in um and then the passage in first timothy 3 it's translated in a number of times as deacons so but the rest of the time is translated as servant so basically the meaning is is um really the original meaning was to wait on tables as as it doesn't use the word deacons in in um act six but the service they did waiting on tables is where we get the word okay. service or service or deacons from. So one of the things to note is um, in, the, in the early New Testament church, at least through the third century, there was an office of deacons that seemed to be pretty active. And so most likely when the King James started the translation and high church was High Church was um, influencing 
the translation, they had deacons in their church, and so they translated that word servant for no. deacons. No, Matt's not there. Uh, Matt. Ben and Della are there. Matt. The rest, I don't know. The bell. Thank you, Matt. Um, I don't really think they realize their mic was on. Um, so they, the idea is that, um, well, let's look at let's look at the next question then as we get into this. So basically, um, Vines translates it to be a servant attendant to serve to wait upon. Strong's definition is a servant attendant domestic to serve to wait upon. Um, basically, it comes from the idea of waiting on tables in the Greek, but that's basically where the word comes from. But you see that word translated servant more often than it's translated any other way. But in these passages, it's translated deacon. So let's look at that. Should deacons be recognized? And if so, why? Why, why is there such a thing as just, is it just servants? Or is it really an office? Or is it really something that it, we should be looking at as something more than just a servant of the church? I have really strong opinions on this, but I'm waiting for you guys to express yours. So, um, repeat, the, repeat the question, bro. Should deacons be recognized, and if so, why? Should they be? Should there be an office of the church? I think we pretty much agree there should be an office of the church of elders. Do we agree that there should be an office of the church of deacons? And if so, why? I think it's important so that there's not confusion in the church. Say if there's a you know, there's a problem with the church, the ceiling's leaking, the sidewalk's cracked, the, you know, in, in the women's bathroom, there's uh, termites or something coming up. You need to know who to go to to get the information to so that it can get fixed. Um, you don't go to the guy who runs out the door right away after its church is over and goes home. You, you get it to someone who is responsible in that way. So I do think you need to have deacons to organize things. Um, but I also think that everybody in the church should be looking to serve as best they can. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago is ownership. It's really important that people have ownership in the, in the process. And if they see something needs to be done they, to do it themselves or find someone capable of doing it. But I'm thinking more of a, of a biblical basis rather than a practical basis. Is there a biblical basis for recognizing deacons? Is there a biblical re reference that there's an office of deacons as opposed to just having servants because I would say everything you said, Dave could be taking care of servants of the church without an office in my, at least in my mind. I would say yes, because they seek them out and they appoint them and they prayed over them. Okay. Uh, and we have qualifications for them and I'll be perfectly honest. That's what I see in scripture. I've never actually seen it done. So, in, okay. you know, so, it, well, and that's why I raised the question, because there are many, many, many assemblies who do not believe there's an office of deacons and do not have deacons. In fact, I don't know of too many gospel halls that have deacons, because I don't think they see an office of deacons. But, all right, so let's look at the scriptures and see if the scriptures can provide help. So the first one is Philippians 1.1. 1, 1. And Paul's writing to the letter of the Philippians, and he says this, Paul and Timotheus, the servant of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. 
so he, he he writes to all the saints and then he and then he has two additional categories that he's writing to one's bishop of overseers or elders and one's deacons and it's translated deacons in that passage or it could be translated servants but it would seem to me that he's recognizing a second class philippians is one of the later church letters and so it would seem by at this time later in the church that there has now been a recognized so he he writes not just to elders but he mentions deacons specifically and he mentions them as part of the group that he's writing to so he's writing with the bishops and deacons or with the elders and deacons so he mentions them specifically in his address to the church so there appears to be a category set aside in the church that he's addressing that would be called servants or deacons and then as as matt mentioned we're given qualifications for deacons we're only given them once not twice but we are given qualifications for an for, and, and if we believe the qualifications that are given are for the office of an elder then it seems natural that when qualifications are given, they're given for the office of deacon. And so I would suggest that between that, that's enough information for us to have the office of deacons. So um, looking at this passage in, in 1 Timothy, we're going to read it and we're going to look at the qualifications a little bit. It says in 1 Timothy 3, um, 8, it says, Likewise must deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience, and let these first also first be proved, then let them use the office of deacon, being found blameless, even so must their wives be grave, not, not slander, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well, for they have used the office of deacon, will purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith of Jesus Christ. So the, there's common characteristics that are um, for deacons and elders of the requirements for deacons and elders. That's not addicted to much wine, not found a sordid gain, beyond reproach, husband of one wife, good manager of his children and his own household. And then we're given, and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time going over those because we basically discussed that on two different sessions on elders. And they're, since they're common to elders, we spend a lot of time talking about what those qualifications mean and what they look like. They're, they're the same for both deacons and elders, which is, is, should not be surprising. But what's surprising to me is the unique ones to, that are unique to deacons. There are some things that are unique to deacons. Basically, there are a few that are unique to, to elders, but the main one is apt to teach. But here's the ones that are, are unique to deacons. Grave or dignified, honorable. A mole translates the word points to seriousness of purpose and to self-respect and conduct. Now, I would think, now, elders are said to be sober. So you could say grove, uh, grave, grave or dignified and sober are much the same. And then it says slanders, not double-tongued, busybody, one who stirs the water to cause um, unrest. And then one of the things that is important for deacons is holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. I believe it means vital spiritual life. Richards, um, I'm quoting Richards here, a Christian maintains a clear conscience by living in harmony with the truth and building God's word. And 
my comment is you can't separate life and doctrine. The deacon must demonstrate that it is both proper doctrine and it has changed his life to be Christ-like. So it's holding proper doctrine, but it's allowing your doctrine to affect your conduct. If your doctrine and false doctrine leads to bad conduct, you can have good doctrine and still have bad conduct. So if your doctrine hasn't changed the way you live, it's really not very good and, and you're not doing well. And then he addresses wives. And it says their wives must have an outstanding character. So to read that again, um, it says, even so must their wives be grave, not slander, sober, faithful in all things. Some people have said, well, he's not addressing wives. He's, he's addressing another class called women deacons. Um, there's a number of arguments for that. I won't go into all of them, but basically the issue is, is that if he had met women deacons, there's a word for women deacons, and that would have been deaconesses. In the, in the Greek, it could have been um, feminized, but he used the word for wives. And so it would seem to be that the wives particularly. I don't know why wives are more singled out for deacons than, than for elders. I could guess, though, because their ministering money matters, that it is good not to have gossips when it comes to money. And if you're helping someone um, who's in need, you don't need everybody to know that that person's in need or that the church had to come to their assistance. And, and so I really don't know, but, but basically um, the wives need to be dignified, not malicious gossips, was trained, um, temperate and faithful in all things. And then additionally, it says in the middle there, let these things first be proved. And so the idea is that they should be actively serving prior to being selected, not unlike elders. They should be serving without a position, thus proving that they're, they have a true servant's heart. And so I think that's important that they first be proved. So you, in the, in, in, with elders, it says not to appoint a novice. With deacons, it says they must prove themselves first. Hopefully elders are doing the work and they're recognized for the work they're doing. And the same thing basically I think is what's meant here is that deacons should be actively doing the work. If you're not serving and you're not actively helping, you shouldn't just lay hands on a person and appoint them to a position. And unfortunately those things have happened um, too many times in my opinion. But I told you I was opinionated. All right, so now we get to the question that I said we get to, and, and we probably need to spend a little time on this. And is the minister, or sorry, before I jump on, does anybody have a question about the qualifications or those two passages, the passage in Timothy we read that was about the qualifications? I shouldn't go on until I've asked you if you have comments on those. I'd like to suggest that they must have a certain amount of authority, because if you you have to do a plumbing problem. You got to have a money available. Okay. And he can, he can and, cross this money from the treasury and, and so forth. And, and we're going to get to that in, the, in this next question. I hope. I don't want to put you off, but I think we're going to come to that question, that answer, that discussion. So anybody else have a discussion about the qualifications? Yeah. Um, I think the reason that gives these spiritual qualifications for deacons who maybe will be doing more mundane work is so they can do the day-to-day -day work with, for the spiritual good. 
it's, it's not just a matter of doing the physical work, but it's doing the physical work for the spiritual good. Well, and that's why it was so important in Acts 6, because they were, they were ministering funds to those who were in need, and that's a very much of a spiritual work. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's not an easy thing to know who's in spiritual need. As we read in Thessalonians, it tells us if a man does not work, he, he should not eat. And so it's really, it's, it's a, it, it's, it takes a lot of wisdom and understanding to know when someone is not working because they're lazy or they're not working because of their job situation and unemployment and they're doing everything they can to find work. It's just not working out and they need some help. And so it, it, it takes a spiritual understanding. I think it's a spiritual task. And it, that's, why I, that's why I believe it, it requires spiritual men. Anybody else on the qualification of deacons? All right. Is the ministry of deacons distinct and separate from elders? And if so, why? And I promised Matt we would get to this. And I promised Joe we would get to this, right? Or I promised somebody else we would get to this conversation or David Welcher. In, in my personal experience, this has been a huge issue in the assemblies. And it usually, it usually comes back to the big C word control. Yeah, it has to be. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm going to steal Matt's line here. It comes back to a pride thing. Uh, I think, a lot of times the elders want to do the deacon work because everybody sees them doing it. Uh, whereas maybe a lot of times the elder work is unseen. Um, and I, I think control comes into it there as well. Well, I think it's control because elders somehow believe they need to control the finances. And they, and they, and they, 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 <laughs> Their fists are like this on the finances, and they and they're afraid of letting any. And and I grew up in an assembly. Elders were constantly at each other about the finances and how much should be spent here and how much should be spent there. And they would have real knockdown dragout meetings when they met together to decide a budget and to try to decide what what money should go where. And it, and it's not easy. That's why both men need to be spiritual. But if, if the elders have a desire to support a worker, to support a missionary, to support a full-time elder or something like that, and yet there's needs that the building has for repair and stuff, and it needs a new roof or the, or the lot, the pavement needs to be redone, then there's a balance there that needs to be found. And there's saints that are in need. You have to be able to find a balance and, and you need to work together to find that balance. And if the elder, if the deacons come and say, we need to repave the lot. It's got one more year on it. We need to set aside money or start preparing for that. And if we spend every dime we have in the bank account, we're not going to be able to repave the lot. And the elders go, no, we're just going to trust the Lord and, and spend every dime sending it out to missionaries. It causes conflicts and, and often causes really hard feelings. I mean, I've, I've worked with more than one assembly that the elders and deacons were not getting along and, and money and the control of the money was usually the biggest issue. Not always, but usually the biggest issue. And so, um, in many assemblies I know that don't have deacons, it's for that very reason, because they would have to succeed some of the control of the money to the deacons and they don't want to do that. 
or they're reluctant to do that. And so the easiest way, the easiest way not to have a fight with the deacons is just don't have any. Clay, I got a question. Yeah. In the spending, in the dispersing of money, um, would not the body have have a, a say so in, in that too? Well, that's why I, I'm a firm believer in men's meetings. Yeah. So I'm a very firm believer in men's meetings, and I believe that elders and deacons lead in the men's meeting by bringing up the projects and bringing up the needs and allowing the saints to make the decision in the men's meeting. And and so I'm a firm believer in men's meetings. So I read. I'll read you an excerpt from um, the Elder Shop Notes archives, and it says this, in many local churches, elders meetings are really deacon meetings. After an open prayer, business is taken up, the greater part being devoted to financial and building concerns along with assembly programs and perhaps difficult people in situations to which they must relate. If the scriptures are open at all, it is to prove a point or find passages that address a problem at hand. Rarely does one hear of a group of elders coming together to give themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, i.e. to pray for unity, for vision and direction for the work, and to search the scripture simply to better know the Lord, the truth of the faith and spiritual diet for the feeding of the flocks. Those who are appointed to do the work of the Jishkin should find encouragement in that knowing in addition to serving the Lord's people, they are protecting the elders from becoming spiritually irreverent, irrelevant through loss of intimate contact with the head of the church, Christ himself. Elders must not forget that deacons serve under their authority and rely on their support in difficult times. Further deacons give time to the work as a sacrifice to the Lord so the elders may be free to wait on the Lord together. They, i.e. the deacons, can become discouraged if elders simply use the time thus provide for other temporal details of the work instead of the primary labor of elders. Spending time in the word and prayer, let every elder ponder these words. It is not fitting that we should leave the word of both God and serve tables. So um, someone mentioned it. Someone mentioned it earlier. I'm sorry, I forgot who mentioned it. And they they were and they were mentioning this, this this issue of of what's the division of labor, what should deacons do? Matt, was it you? Can you ask me again? Tell me again what you said, and I told you we can discuss it later. So I was saying I think that uh, for an assembly defining the different roles because I feel like a lot of times elders are appointed because they're really good deacons and and that's just kind of the role where I really believe like after looking at scripture deacons are more in the business of the church so taking care of the things and the elders need to be focused on shepherding yeah. the flock yeah. um, and I also think just two cents here having that big cloud scares a lot of really good elders away from being elders because maybe they don't want to take on the jobs of the books or, you know, whatever it is. And I think right. so as we're going through this, I think it'd be really good for Palms to somewhat define the roles so people can see yes. what they're good at and pick them up. So over time, I've been in small assemblies most of my life and the largest assembly I was in was about 90 where I was an elder. But mostly in that time, I've been in smaller assemblies where it's all hands on deck and everybody has to sort of function because we're not big enough to have elders and deacons. And that assembly of 90, we had elders and deacons. Uh, but if I had my druthers, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be involved in the decision of what color the chair should be. I wouldn't be involved in the decision in what color the carpet should be. 
I wouldn't be involved in the decision whether we put, should put instant hot water heaters in or we should put a, a, a single 50 gallon hot water heater in. I don't, I don't care. And part of it is it's not that I don't care. It's that I need to be able to trust men who are good at that to make those decisions. And some people, and I've served on a number of boards. I've served on a camp board where some of the people had to be involved in every single decision that was made, had to hear every price quoted, had to know everything, what it costs, had to know what the BTUs were. I mean, they had to know all the facts before they could vote on something. And, and that really bogs you down. If you have elders who need the deacons to report every dime they spent and how they spend it and what they spend it on, and, and they have to have their input, whether it's the right thing to buy or do, you have elders who are, need to be in control of physical things. And I almost feel like when I, when, I, when I work with an assembly that has this issue, I almost feel like asking some of the elders, would you rather be a deacon? Because that sounds more like what you're interested in. Sounds like you're more interested in controlling, but you know, of course, if the elders are a prestige position, then they somehow think that being an elder is like important. And so therefore they could never just be a servant. They just need, they need the position. That doesn't mean elders can't help. One of my experiences in that assembly that had 90, I was washing dishes after a potluck one day or after a, a fellowship dinner one day. And my fellow elder walked up to me and he said, you're making us look bad by washing dishes. And I was working with a young man and I was washing dishes and talking to a young man as I washed the dishes. So I thought I was doing spiritual work while I was working alongside him, but I was chastised for doing. So I don't want to say that, that the, um, the jobs are so um, open that there's no intermeshing. There's no time an elder can't set up chairs. There's no time an elder can't sweep something. You know, if there's a work party, the elder doesn't show up because he's too busy home praying. I think an elder showing up encourages the other workers who are there and shows that they're part of the assembly as well. So I don't want to make the, the, the role so defined that you, you never pick up a hammer, you never pick up a spoon, you never clear a table, you never do anything because you're only involved in spiritual work. I don't think that's what's pictured here. But I do think that there, if there's qualified men to be deacons who can handle it, that there has to be a trust and a turning over of that to them so that they do those things. It's really a team. You know, it's not a, uh, a quarterback doesn't do all the work on the team. He has to trust that his other players are going to be where they are. They, they work together, you know, and I know that's a poor analogy, but it's uh, not. You know the 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 deacons. I think this, it goes back to the qualifications and and in Acts six where he says, "Hey, you look out, good and faithful men that are of good report." Why is it just because we like having good and faithful men or good report in our offices of our church? No, it's so they can be trusted to do the work, the physical work for the spiritual reasoning and not have to be lorded over every minute of the day. And I think when you have that team teamwork, you it's glorifying to God for one and everybody is going to be happier. Well, everybody hopefully will be happy. I think I think 
it, it's tough to give up control. It's tough to trust. It's tough to say, you know what, the color of the carpet doesn't matter. I mean, we've all heard of assembly splitting over the color of the carpet or the hymn book or the, or the you know, <laughs> the, the paneling being dark or being white or, you know, which way the chapel faces or, you know, what the entry looks like. You know, it, it, people, their pride and their issue of control gets in the way that they end up arguing to the point of, of, of separating fellowship over physical issues. We should never separate fellowship over physical issue. If, if it came, if I really thought that the carpet should be red and someone else thought it was blue and I was ready to separate fellowship over that issue, that is so anathema to what the Bible teaches. I can't even begin to tell you that, but yet it happens. I don't know if any of you have experienced it, but I've seen it happen. I mean, just knock down drag out fights over something as simple as the color of the walls. So, you know, in, in my assembly now, if it, someone comes to us and says, I think we should have a projector, we say, great, let's get it. If you got a great idea, let's do it. Let's, you know, let's not hesitate. You have an idea, let's just do it. You know, if someone really has a desire and, and we turn it over to them and say, you walk it through, give us a report on, on what the best one is to buy and let's go for it. And we might get input. Maybe I've bought projectors before so I can tell him, you know, what I'm interested in. I want to have at least this many looms. I want to have an HDMI that has a remote control. That would be nice if we're going to mount it on the ceiling. But after that, I'm done. It's up to him, you know, or it's up to Deacons to buy the right projector at that point. And I don't have to be involved anymore. And I, and the only reason I even give advice is because I have some background in buying that type of stuff, but otherwise, no, I, and so, but that's not, that's the way it should be. And that's the ideal. I mean, we have people who have been elders in places like Steve, is that the way it worked in Tucson, Steve? How's that? Did the, did you have deacons? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how did the elders and deacons get along? Was there clear denilation of, of duties? It, um, it's kind of changed over the years. Uh, we used to have a lot more deacons than what we have now. And uh, the elders actually tend to do a lot more of the deaconing type of work than uh, they used to. And the elders were willing to succeed control in some areas to the deacons to, to take care of? Yeah. One of the things I thought I'd ask is, when you talk about an all men's meeting, would that be any man that's in the assembly? And um, years ago, we had a, a thing where we had a lot larger group than what we have now. That I know that there was a discussion about maybe building, adding on to the nursery or something like that. So. I was in on that meeting. I wasn't an elder or anything at that time. And um, anyhow, they decided to move ahead with that. And so they hire an architect. They blew $15,000 and never did a thing. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe that's the other side, you know, of uh, making decisions. So you gotta be careful. Uh, well, in my opinion, it's difficult to lead if all the all the meetings are in back rooms. Yeah, right. 
And wisdom and understanding and knowledge of the scripture comes out in an open meeting when you're discussing issues in the assembly and expansion, you know, of, of the, you know, and if someone says, well, let's spend $15,000 expand the nursery, the reply is, okay, but what does that look like as far as giving to the missionaries? Or what does that look like in, in reference to putting on our conference? Or what does that look like in, in, in honoring elders or whatever you want? What, how does that fit? I, I will tell you, I'm a firm believer that every assembly should have a budget that the men decide on. And if it's in the budget, you have a right to spend that money if it's not in the budget. So you decide this much money is going to be set aside for fellowship. This much money is set aside for building maintenance. Because this is how much we're expected to take in. And then the elders take care of, of designating gifts to missionaries or fellowship to speakers or whatever. And the deacons then control the money that's designated for helping, you know, benevolent funds or helping families in needs and distributing that money or taking care of the building or whatever. And if you get to the point where some, you know, major project comes up, you know, a tree falls on the on the building and you have to spend money that you hadn't budgeted, you get back together and decide how you're going to cover it. And maybe you take a special offering. Maybe you, you know, wait in the Lord on prayer, but you then decide what, you know, if you're going to go outside that budget, you're going to get back together. But as most of you know, I'm a firm believer in men's meetings. I think decisions are best made by the men who are involved. And it, it gives you ownership. You know where the money's going. You know, in my assembly, nobody knows where the money, the elders get together about every two months and decide, and decide where to send money. And um, it's not right, in my opinion. It's not right. It, it, if, I'm a, if I was giving on a regular basis and I never had a say in where the money went, I, I would be concerned or how the money was spent. I wouldn't give, I'd be, I'd do a lot of self-directing giving because I would feel like I knew better how to give the money and I didn't know what, how they were giving the money. How, how can you be accountable how you distribute money if no one ever knows and there's no accountability for it. So I, I'm big on transparency and on accountability of money. I, if, if, if I was running things and I, if I, everybody died and I was king somehow, there would be a, there would be a financial statement at every men's meeting. It would say how money was spent for that month. I was talking to a young man in Dallas and he goes, and in Dallas you have options on your, on your, um, on your utility. So you could, you know, you, you, there's one main provider, but there's a number of franchises you can buy from any franchise and he, their utility bills rather high. So he's wondering, have they bought, have they ever priced that? Have they got the best deal that they could, but nobody ever does, you know, it's just, they just announce how much they paid for utilities every year. And it seems every month, it seems high, but no, you know, he would be interested in helping them find a better deal. That would be deacon work, but they don't have deacons in this assembly and it's never looked at, but that's the sort of thing that if you had an interest, if you had a heart for, if you wanted to do, it would be important to do it. Amen. Amen. I agree with you on the, on the men's meetings, Clay. You know, I mean, you know, in fact, the assembly I was in back east um, before I came to Arizona, we couldn't spend anything more than nominal debt unless we brought it before the body, you know, and we had men's meetings. And, you know, and I've, seen, I've seen assemblies where the, you know, the, the elders and the deacons don't even meet together. It's just the it's just the elders, and they do everything. And the result is is that the pastoral ministry suffers or becomes even non-existent because they're actually, like you were saying, you know, are, are, are deacons. 
And another thing, on, on when you don't involve the men in, in, in the body, they don't feel any kind of responsibility to, ability to be involved in anything, you know? And, you, and, and that's not body life. You know, you, you gotta have, you gotta give them a, a sense of responsibility. But if you exclude them from, from all this, then it's just not healthy as an asylum. Before you joined us, Joel, we spent, we had one session, we talked about ownership and how elders end up preventing ownership when they're in control of every decision and every facet and no one ever has any input or any decision and pretty soon the elders make all the decisions and it's like why bother why you know there's a leaky faucet the elders are going to take care of it because they're in charge of everything and that that shouldn't be it should be if there's a leaky faucet and it's my assembly i i want to see it fixed as much as the next guy does it shouldn't be just the elders making decisions it shouldn't be the elders doing everything and it, and it shouldn't be the deacons doing everything i mean the deacons should be having young men come alongside and say hey i'm putting in i'm i'm doing this on the building you want to come and help me you know and if there's a young man who's not a deacon but is just there you invite him alongside just as if as the elders find spiritual men they should say i'm going visiting would you like to come visiting with me and you and you're 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 training and you're mentoring and you're bringing other people along and you find out what they can do and how and how they're acting and and um, if elders are bogged down in, in building maintenance and building decisions and and distributing money and paying bills, guess what happens? They don't have time for the spiritual activities they should be doing. Amen. And I think that I think aspects absolutely applies. I think your point's really good, Clay. I think maybe one of the downfalls from recognizing deacons, just as kind of a devil's advocate, is people becoming territorial for instance, like you're not allowed to do that. Uh, so I think it takes a certain kind of person to be recognized as a deacon to be able to bring people along and, and not say, oh, you know, that's Joe's job and nobody else can do it kind of thing. I think there's a lot of um, pitfalls that happen when that starts going on. And, and, and to be honest with you, Matt, it all goes back to choosing the right people. Because I've, I've dealt with elders who are territorial. I've dealt with deacons who were upset at elders because they weren't releasing, they weren't letting them do what they thought was deacon work because they, they were taking it for their territory. There was, and, and it causes conflict, causes real conflicts. All right, last question. What time is it? Okay, last question. How should deacons be recognized? Or selected. Well, they're already doing the work, so I think that's a start. All right. So they need to be proved. They need to be doing the work. And just like elders, I think it should be the congregation who recognizes those who are doing the work. Just like in Acts 6, it was the congregation who did it. Um, I know the question that was asked earlier is um, authority and responsibility. So one of the things that causes a lot of conflict in the church is that if you give someone the responsibility to do something, you must also give with them the authority to do it. So we ran into a problem that the Assembly of 90 was really shaken by a situation. They put a person in charge of the nursery. She did something in the nursery which was within the parameters of what we had put her in charge of. And one of the elders walked in, yelled at her, bawled her out, told her she was wrong because it involved his grandchildren and 
the other elders didn't support the person who was given the responsibility for the nursery. And I told them she was right. It was within her authority. We've given her that responsibility. We need to support her elders, particularly when they give responsibility to deacons or to, or, or to any servant who's doing a particular job. If they give them that responsibility, they have to uphold their authority. And when they fail to do so, they undermine anyone who works or serves in the assembly. If you're given if you're given responsibility for doing the food at the at the at the um, conference, and you go about and you do that work and you do the caterer and everything comes in, and someone says, "Well, no one consulted me," or "or I didn't like the menu you chose, and I don't want you to do it again," and, and the elders need to step forward and go, "No, that was his responsibility. We gave him the authority to do it. He did it." End of story. And when we don't support people who we've given responsibility, so if, if the elders give deacons responsibilities, they need to support the deacons in that, even if it's another elder who gets upset, or even if it's someone who's important gets upset. You have to absolutely, if you've given someone authority, a, a responsibility, authority must go with it. And if the elders are gonna hold on to the authority like this and just give out the responsibility, it never works. It never works. And it, it's just a warning. Just, And particularly in the areas of deacon and elders, that's where that whole concept of authority and responsibility comes. If the elders give you a responsibility but hold all the authority, you really don't have a responsibility. They're still in charge. They're still in control. They're not allowing you to do what you can. All right, a couple of things. And that lend to that passage in, in 1 Timothy 3.13, it mentions a reward for deacons, but, they that have used the office of deacons well purchased to themselves a good degree, great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Some of the translations, rather than a good degree, translate as good standing. And it's, it's not easy to figure out what he's talking about. but So it could be before God in the, in the day of the judgment seat of Christ that you're going to have a good standing. It could be it's possible they would gain a good standing in the eyes of their fellow saints through their faithful service. I won't be dogmatic about which one it is, but it, 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 the reward is a good standing. And then the second one is great boldness, most likely before men. And, and those that are sacrificial in service have won the right to speak to others. The one who sets the example gains a hearing. Um, and the idea is that through their sacrificial service, they've gained the confidence of the saints. So those people who you see tirelessly serving, Paul tells us we should pay attention to them and honor them. And, and realize that they've set the pattern by their sacrifice. And then the final thing I would, I would tell you is um, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, moreover it is required to stewards that a man be found faithful. And particularly if you're handling money, you must be faithful. I know uh, that's why we have two people counting money. So especially if money's involved, it's usually always good to have more than one involved. Oh, I know what I skipped. Um, necessity of meetings. I skipped one line. I was, in the assembly, we had 90. We had, we had a, a deacon who was, who was a good servant. He was a treasurer. He was a good man. And we said, the deacons have to, we want the deacons to have meetings. And we had men's meetings at that assembly. And we had elders meetings. And we suggested the deacons should have meetings. That man refused to have meetings. He didn't have time for meetings. He was too busy for meetings. And in the end, the other two deacons felt like they weren't on board and they had no input and they had no ownership. 
that the one individual who controlled the checkbook basically made all the decisions on the repairs and, and hiring laborers and doing everything. One of those two deacons was a contractor and there were, you talk about $15,000 wasted on a, on, a, um, on a nursery, there was, there was 20,000 wasted on a remodel of a kitchen that if they'd asked a contractor, he could have saved them $20,000 and they just, and he was one of the deacons and this man just ignored him and did, and did all, you know, just hired out the work and did it himself because he didn't have time for meetings. So if um, a deacon says, I wanna serve, but I don't have time for meetings, I would suggest then that he really shouldn't be a deacon I think the deacons do need to meet about the needs of the building. Good deacons would meet about the needs of the building. They would come to the men's meeting and go, this is what we need. This is what it's going to cost. This is what we need to have done. This is where we have a need for, for money to do. This is what we need in the, in, in the next three months. This is what we need in the next six months. This is what we need to be done in a year. This is what we need to be done in two years. And instead of all the men discussing the ins and outs and how to spend the money and what's the best water heater to buy, those deacons would come with all those facts and just present them to the men. And the men would trust the deacons on what they've, on what they've decided because they've done the work and showed that they've done the work. And it's just not one man making a decision, it's all the deacons. So if deacons are, are, are functioning properly, there's still a need, need for a men's meeting. If elders are functioning properly, there's still a need for a men's meeting. But in those men's meeting, the leaders that will lead, not by dominion and not by, by bullying or by force, but lead because of wisdom and understanding will be the, the men who, are, who have been designated deacons and elders. I agree. But it takes special people. I mean, you got to pick the right people. I mean, I can't tell you, you have to pick the right people. And if you don't pick the right people, it's ideal, but it works if you follow the recommendations of the qualifications and have the right people. But I will tell you, that's not I'm telling you what I believe is ideal, and I will tell you most assemblies do not operate in that manner. My own assembly doesn't operate in that manner. I'm not the leading elder at my assembly, and I have to um, pray for our leading elder. He's quite sick, so things might change in the near future. But as much as I've tried, he's been he's very old school. Um, he came out of the gospel hall system. He's very old school and believe elders should control everything. So. Um, I'm not, as, as you who have been through these lectures, seminars, classes, sessions, whatever you want to call them, no, I am, I am not particularly old school in some of these things. So we have a couple minutes, so comments? Yeah, all of us like old classic cars, or most of us do. But none of us want to drive without power steering. So, or air conditioning. <laughs> or air conditioning, right? How did we live without air conditioning in cars? In 1972, I went to Florida in a car without air conditioning. And it was the worst summer of my life. It was like 100 degrees and 90% humidity every day. It rained, poured rain every day. 
and you'd roll up the windows and you were like stewed clowns because it would be so hot, but you couldn't roll down the windows even when you were moving because of it was raining. And so you just steamed yourself in these cars and he didn't have air conditioning in the car. And it was like, how do people live? So yeah, it's, it's nice to have a classic car, but most of them didn't have air conditioning. So what would you do? That's that's uh, before you knew better, I guess. Well, in Phoenix, it's dry, so you can roll down the windows and have what they used to call 460 air conditioning, four windows down and 60 miles an hour. But, you know, that hot heat blowing in on you gets pretty warm. We're just not as tough as they were in those pioneer days, I guess. Yeah, like 1960. When, when it's 121, it don't matter how fast you drive, it is still blasting hot. I, I burned my hand on, on touching metal in, in, in Phoenix when I've been there. And it's like, how do you guys live here? I mean, sorry, I, I don't want to rub it in, but it's like, oh man, it gets hot here. All right. So I wanted to at least discuss deacons and the relationship to elders and deacons in general in this session on elders, because I don't know that we're going to do a session on deacons. And, and so I wanted to at least touch on it. And next week, uh, I forgot. Next week's the last week, and it's going to be on. I have to look it up. Hang on a second. Why he's looking that up. Hey, Belvin, when <laughs> now you want to close in prayer? All right. Outline. Oh, decision-making in the church, discipline and doctrine. So we're going to just talk about decision-making in the church. We're going to talk about discipline. We're going to talk about doctrine. And I'll have some questions out. Hopefully, they'll get sent out this weekend. Yes, I'll do it earlier. Sorry. Yeah, sorry you guys got the questions so late. I'm trying to send out the questions. I know they're bad questions. I know they're you have no idea what I'm asking about. But at least it gives you a hint. I go to I go to a church at Zion and they have a Sunday school class and I have to send five questions for the Sunday school class before I teach the class and they all say yep we knew who wrote these questions we uh, knew who was coming this Sunday to speak because we read the questions and we knew who wrote them well having having those scripture references too gives us a, a good point of to yeah I I try to include those. I try to include those because I really want this to be more of a discussion and not me just talking, but all right. Hey, um, Clay, we had talked, I think a few sessions ago about maybe including a uh, discussion about elders wives too, right? Mm. Okay. You want to include a, a session on elders wives? I, I don't know. It needs to be a whole session, but I think it's maybe something that, should could be rolled into next week okay i think i that. i i think next week's full i hate to tell you guys that because i it's going to take a little bit of discussion about discipline for sure and doctrine to somewhat yeah whatever i just i know right. it's something we talked about a few weeks okay. ago all right well it's we're not dropping we're not dropping too many so people haven't given up on us totally after this long session of elders meetings 
do a half a session on wives and a half a session on just questions. Okay. Question and answer. All right. We can do that. So I'll add that to the outline and send a new outline out. So um, did anybody pick up the books from Dave? I know Dave was gone. Okay, because Dave, you got the books, right, David? So there's eight, you have eight books, right? Hang on a minute, I'll grab them. I think yeah, I think he has eight, I think he has eight books, which is two sets of four. But they're individual books, and you can read one individual book, return it to Dave, and check out another individual book and read it. Um, they're available from uh, Everyday Publishing if you'd like a set of your own. There's a, 